All right, good evening, everybody. I'm going to turn your Bibles to Acts, please, chapter 5, and probably 6, Lord willing. This Saturday from 6 to 8 a.m., we're going to have a prayer time here in the, in the morning here, um, but we're going, to, we're going to try something and go live on Facebook with it. So those of you who are from Iowa or farther away, uh, Elmo or something like that, um, you can tune in to it and kind of, um, so we'll go live and then you can just join us. Um, at, so we're just going to try this out and see how that works. We definitely want to have prayer, but um, sometimes it's difficult for you to drive all the way back here and so on. So we want to make it easier um, for you. Um, so let's use the technology, right? Um, so that's the plan. So this Saturday from 6 to 8, 8 a.m. And what we'll do is in the comments, you can either put your prayer requests on there or whatever, and we'll verbalize them so everybody can hear it over the broadcast, and then maybe someone can pray and comment, yeah, prayed that or whatever. And I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but I just kind of felt like we need to do that. Uh, one step closer to a pulpit. I know. We're getting there, aren't we? Uh, but I was tired of fighting for one of those stands, and I think uh, classrooms could use these, so I'm kind of giving it a test run out here myself. So if my Bible flips off, we'll know they're not getting them, right? Um, but I think it's nice and wide, and maybe it'll be a blessing to them. All right. Chapter 5 of the book of Acts, as we've uh, been excited to watch the Holy Spirit working through those who trust in Him and who are obedient to Him, as, um, as will be uh, spoken of tonight in chapter 5. Um, we left off with you know, a lot of good things happening in the church, uh, people selling their possessions and coming together and um, voluntarily doing these things, and uh, it was a real blessing. And, and uh, the last thing we left off with was Barnabas, you know, son of encouragement was his name, that's why they called him Barnabas. He, he sold something and, and gave it to him, and, and it was just such a blessing, you know, to, to the folks, and um, that's what we left off with. But then we move into chapter 5. And I say, but, because sometimes we get all excited about, oh, look at that. Wouldn't you love to have been, wouldn't you love to have been in that part oh, when the church was young, when the church was doing that, and it's so powerful. And so, well, let's look at the other side of the power of the church in the book of Acts in the first century, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price for the land for yourself? While it remained, in your, while it remained was it not um, your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own? And after, uh, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God." And so we see the beautiful act of Barnabas last week of selling something and giving it to the church to split up. And then we see this episode, um, the, the exact opposite. Right off the bat, the first thing I want you to notice is the church has problems. It's not something we've developed or, or why can't we get back to the book of Acts. We're in the book of Acts, and look at this. You know, these guys are they're failing already. And so it's not the church, it's, it's just people. It's just people in different places with their walk. It's different things going on with them. Um, and so Peter here 
filled with the Holy Spirit has something what we call a word of knowledge. This is spoken of in Second Corinthians chapter twelve or First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eight. It's a word of knowledge. There's lots of gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of them is a word of knowledge, which means God gives you insight into something that you don't have any knowledge of. Only God does. Someone didn't whisper it, and you deduced from that. Uh, but no, it's just a, a direct word of wisdom from God that nobody else knows, and He has this. Why have you kept back part of it? Now, it's not a sin that they kept back part of it. He makes sure in God's word that that's not the problem here. Of course, you don't have to sell everything and have to give it up. That's modern-day communism. That's man-made communism where it's confiscated and given to the people, the workers, you know, as they like to call us. Um, They don't work a whole lot at the top, but they call them workers. That's communism from the man's perspective, confiscation and redistribution. And that's never worked. That makes one side bitter, and that makes the other side dependent and uh, entitled. Um, And so that's always been a failure. This was meant to be a loving thing. No one told them to do these things. They were just doing it. They really felt like, I've got too much, and you don't have enough, and I have so much love and compassion for you. I'm going to sell this because I don't need it, and I want you to have it. And that should still be going on today. And it doesn't have to be uh, administered. You know, it doesn't have any need of administration over that. We don't need to, you know, formulate it and have committees and all that. No, that's just something that the church leaves to the people individually and to their hearts to do for one another. That's how it's supposed to be. We do a lot of things like that here. There's a lot of things that people want to do and, and feel like we should do as a church. Go do it. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be administered. We don't, we don't want that much control. I don't want to be that much a part of it. If you want to have a Bible study in your home, psh, Go. Need my permission? Why are you asking me? You know, go do it. Um, it's when the administration comes into it that it begins to be oppress- oppressive. It begins to be uh, formulated. It begins to almost take on the shape of a man as opposed to a God thing, you know. And we get our hands on it and it gets messy really quick. Well, he has a word of knowledge. He has a word of knowledge and he explains that. He says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? So what's the lie? The point is, that they said they sold the land for 1500 gave them 1500 but have actually sold the land for 3000 and have kept 1500 for themselves, but making everybody think they're very magnanimous. Look at us. Look what we've done, like Barnabas did. That's the lie here. That's why we see him ask his wife the next question. But before we get there, another thing we want to point out in this first four verses is that first Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, he says, you have not lied to men, but to God more proof and evidence that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Peter says so. The Bible says so. The Word of God says so. You've not only lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God, both, one and the same. And uh, by the way, for your Jehovah's Witness friends that come to your door, that's still in their Bible. They haven't sanitized that out. So it's another verse you can take them to. Well, it says in your Bible, the Holy Spirit isn't a force or an essence, but it's a, it's a person, T. It's the, it's the third person of the Trinity. And then they don't know what to do with that, but they do. God will use that because he uses his word. And so be encouraged in that. So he questions them. Ananias, why have you done this? Why? Who, wasn't it yours when you owned it? Wasn't it yours when you sold it? None of this was obligated. You weren't, it wasn't obligatory for you to do this. So then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last So great fear came upon all those who heard these things, and the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Still want to be a part of the first century church? 
I do. I do. But I just think, because um, I still, I don't think it's ever stopped. I think we're still in the book of Acts. I just think we have to be very careful about being hypocritical. That's the, that's the sin here. The idea is they're pretending to be something that they're not. They're, there's nothing wrong with keeping back half. Wow, you donated 50 I'm, I'm guessing. We have, I don't know the ratio. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Um, but there's no, 50%, that's amazing, you know. That's great. Just, just don't lie about it. Just let it be what it is, you know. Um, but they wanted everybody to think more of them. See, the Bible says, and Jesus says, come as you are. And that's great, but you need to, we need to come as we are, not come as we want people to think we are, is the idea. Come as you are. So important. So important to be who you are. I've, I've tried to do that. Jenny's tried to do that. Our families all try to do that. Hopefully all of us have tried to do that as a fellowship. We just, this is who you get. This is who we are. For some people, that's not enough. For other people, it's too much, you know. <laughs> uh, but this is who we are, and we come as we are. And... Um, it's a good thing to be. It's, it's a safe place to be. God knows who I am. God's called me this way, you know, and uh, it's a blessing to not have to hide or to veil yourself or to, uh, to pretend at all, you know. This is just, this is us. I don't like you. Well, okay, you know, there's a lot of churches in town, you know. I love the way Chuck puts it. He goes, I couldn't possibly minister to everybody in Orange County. I'm so glad there's other churches because I can't minister to everybody, you know. Some people just can't receive and, uh, from certain people. And so there's lots of things. And, and so I, there's some freedom there. I bring that up and I use myself as an example because I want you to have that same freedom. We want you to come as you are, you know. That's one of the, the blessings of some of the older saints. They're, they're tired of hiding. They just are who they are, you know. And they're becoming more and more like Christ. And of course, we want to be conformed into his image. But... They just are who they are. And I think of, you know, Kathy, to be to perfectly frank with you, that's the one that comes to mind the most. Um, and I don't want to embarrass her, but sometimes our conversations, I'm, I'm, my eyebrows go up sometimes, you know. And I'm used to, I'm a Marine. <laughs> sometimes when Kathy talks, I'm like, you know. She is who she is, though. She's a beautiful woman of God, you know rough and tough and can slice and cut up and process a deer faster than anybody in this room probably. But a beautiful woman of God nonetheless. And she is who she is and she doesn't hide it. This is who I am. And some people can handle that and some people can't. Some people wish maybe they'd pretend to be something they're not. Other people are like, I'm just so glad you're real. You know, so glad. Because in the face of God, none of us can hide ourselves from him. None of us can be hypocritical with him. And this is the point of this story. You think you can get away with the conceal, with the hiding, and, and you can't. This is a great example. This is the only example we have of this. And Maybe God was just making a point. I don't think they had regular burial services, you know. But I think he was making a point. Hey, look, before we go any further, you can't hide from me. You can't pretend to be somebody you're not. I know you. I know who you are deep down inside. I know what you think. And as scary as that is, it's so comforting. And we've talked about that in other parts of the, of word, of the word of God. It's so comforting to have a God who just got broad shoulders and he can handle it. You know, doesn't mean I want to stay that way. doesn't mean it's not sin. But it does mean that I can come as I am to him. You know, and he works with me, and he's a father who loves me and wants to 
to work things out, you know, and to teach me and to train me if I'm willing. And so it's not a matter of whether they held it back. It's a matter of, of the concealment, the hiding, you know. You can be who you are. Um, if they confessed it, I wonder if Ananias had spoke up and says, you know, how much did you sell that lamb for? Well, and you know he's being convicted by the Holy Spirit at the same time. Tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. He's had an option at that point. Do I say 3,000 or do I say 1,500, the truth? He could have said it. Peter, it was 1,500. I don't know why I did that. I, I guess old habits die hard. I've always been a conniver, you know. It was only 1,500, and I only gave you half. And I wonder if things would have turned out differently, you know. So it's a good story for us, a good lesson for us. You know, come to church, be who you are change, let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us. And we need, I, that's the scripture I gave out today was to be, you know, the prayer request was to be submitted to God's word, be submitted to God's word. In other words, when God's word gets in the way of you, submit to it. You know, we always talk about wives submitting to their husbands and so on and submit to one to another. It's only submission when you disagree. So when you come to those parts of God's word and you disagree with God's word, submit. Submit, you know, it's better for you. So, He's dead. And they wrapped him up and buried him, and they didn't tell his wife. Can you imagine? Wrapping up your husband, burying this husband, and have her walk in, and nobody told her that there was a funeral service. She wasn't even able to be there for it at all, right? I think things are different. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me, whether you sold the land for so much, he's running to figure out whether she's in on this game or not, whether she's in on it. Tell me how much you sold the land for. She could have easily said 1500 Your husband said he sold it for 3000 and, and said he gave us, or uh, vice versa, we sold it for 3000 you know, um, and she'd have been off the hook. But she doesn't. She goes along with her husband. Uh, must have been a plan because they obviously got together on this thing. And How much? And she said, yes, for so much. You notice how they're not putting it in there. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. This is the good kind of fear, you know. But let me put it this way. For those in the church, this was the, wow, dad came home, you know. For the people outside of the church, it's more of a terrifying thing because they don't understand. They don't know what's going on. Either way, fear came on, and this was God's plan. He wanted that. I want you to be serious about this walk with me. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to hide from me. I don't want you to hide from each other. I don't want you to hide from the Holy Spirit. And so he does this. It's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's the only time we see this. The only time we see it. But there it is, right? God immortalizes it in his word for a reason. It's not an anomaly. It's not something we can gloss over and say, well, thank goodness that doesn't happen anymore. I don't know. I don't know. But I do want to learn what they learned from it. And hopefully we all learn what, they're, what we're supposed to learn from it. Just don't lie. Don't lie to them about it, you know? Anyway, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. 
Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. It seems to be a contradiction there between 13 and 14, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added. Well, which is it? You know, well, I think it's both, obviously. The rest didn't join them. I'm afraid uh, the rest being the world, the rest that of the hypocrites, the rest that maybe weren't sure, they didn't join them. But believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them. And so great things were happening. There was super amazing power going out of the church at this time, power of the Holy Spirit. People were very pure. People were very honest. People were very upfront. There was no masks on at church. Everybody who was who they were. And God used them greatly. You know, and this Peter who did all this right here is also the one that later on is going to pretend to be something he's not when it comes to the Gentiles. And he doesn't die. I mean, he does eventually when he's crucified. So please put this in perspective, this story, because Peter is confronted by Paul later on. Why did you play the hypocrite, he says, when that's exactly what's happening here. So obviously the Holy Spirit wanted to make a point And I think he's made it. I think he's made it. You can't hide from me. I know who you are. That's good. It's a good thing. So all these people are getting healed, just laid out there, that even the shadow of Peter, it doesn't tell us that, but it it implies that when the the shadow hit them, they got better. That's all they needed was a little bit of shadow. And see, here's the thing. What is a shadow? Well, it's just the absence of light caused by something in between it and the sun. I mean, there's there's nothing there there. Right? There's no substance to it. It's actually just less. There's less light there. It's faith. It's something that caused someone to activate their faith. So, and, I, and I don't want to sound like one of those guys on TV. I, I don't know how to word it. All I know is it didn't have any power in the, in, the, in the shadow. But it had everybody's idea that if the shadow touched them, like the woman who could reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, power went out of him because of her faith. See the idea? Um, and and we, can't, we can't pigeonhole it. We can't formulate it. Okay, so here's what we do. We're going to have a lot of shadows. I mean, you can't, you can't make that stuff happen. The people, and it was really happening, when the shadow would hit them, would get better because that's all they needed was to have that. And the centurion, no, you don't need to come to my house. All you need to do is say the word, and I know my servant will be healed and, and was um, Paul's apron later on gets passed around. This is his work apron. He was a tent maker. And so it's where he keep all of his supplies. I don't know what a tent maker supply belt looks like, but it was a, you know, a work belt and they would get it and it's all sweaty and nasty. I would assume, I don't know how sweaty tent making is. And they would pass this around and people would get healed from it. There's nothing in it. I mean, there's no power in it. It's not like, um, you can bless something and, and then throw it at someone. And when it lands on them, it does something to them. It's the faith of the person. Your faith has made you well. Remember, he says that several times. It's your faith that's made you well. And so this worked. That's all it took. Believing 
And the shadow fell, and God used it, looking at the serpent that Moses raised up in the wilderness that healed them because God said so. People believed on it, and it happened. Okay. I think we've hit on it, right? So this happened. Exciting. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, it just happened to be their sect's turn to be in in charge. Sadducees, remember, don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't believe in everlasting life and so on, uh, spirits and so on. And they were filled with indignation. Well, why not? People are getting healed. I mean, that would make anybody mad, right? And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Wow. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Okay, we're ready for court. Bring them in. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we have found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest and captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. These, these guys are um, the special forces of Christianity. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, who does that? who goes to prison for their faith knowing that they were going to get beat the next day and the Lord opens it up and says, now go back to the place where you were arrested and continue on. And they did it. Yeah, why not? You know, I love that. I just love that. And I want that. It's why I love that. I want that in my heart. I want, I think, I, I don't know, I guess I've never been tested in that area yet, but I, I would hope I would do that, you know, as you're sitting here in county or whatever it is and, and, and the doors open and all the deputies are, I don't know what they're doing. They just can't see you for some reason. And you walk right out of there. And they say, and the Lord tells you, I want you to go back and keep preaching. I mean, this is a God who doesn't need us. This is a God in the book of Revelation as angels and winged beings flying around preaching the gospel. This is a God who doesn't need our help at all. And he goes to such extremes to make sure we're still in the game. We're still in the fight, you know. We're the water boys and gals of Christianity, you know, but, but he calls us in and says, let me open those doors for you and get out there and go do that again. Okay, you know, it's like Rudy kind of thing, you know, get out there and do it. And they go and they do it. It's so exciting. Some of you are like, Rudy? It's a, it's a movie about a little punk who can't play football but gets a chance to play kind of thing, okay? And it's, he's like the water boy that turns into a gets a touchdown and everything. And that's us. I mean, it really is. We're the underdogs. We're the people that we have no power. We have no abilities. We have no strength outside of God. But with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, it's amazing what he lets us do, what he lets us be a part of. And so they go looking for him. They can't find him. They said, we found him. They're back where we arrested him. You know? They're in the, they're in the temple teaching the people. And the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. What a wonderful turn of events. The tables have definitely turned. They were going to get beat, but we're afraid of getting beat, so we're going to be real. We're going to ask them this time, you know, uh, would you mind coming and speaking with us? And when they had brought them, 
They set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in, his, in this name? I'm such a smart mouth. I know what I'd say, you know. You mean, you mean the one that let us out of prison and made us invisible so that none of your guys could see us? That's that name, you know? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood on us. Well, you didn't intend to do anything. You did that yourself. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We said that last time. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are as witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Basically the same thing again. What they said before. We're going to keep doing this, is what they're telling them. It doesn't matter what you tell us to do. We're going to obey God. We don't obey man. We don't have the fear of man. We have the fear of God. Ananias and Sapphira really helped on that. But we also want to obey him whom we love, whom's done so much for us. How could we not but speak the truth is what they told us last time and told these guys last time. How could we not? Now, in the end there, he says, he's given us the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it tells you what that means. So we don't have to guess. Okay, so what is obedience to God? How do we get the Holy Spirit kind of thing? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Obedience is simply believing on Jesus Christ for your salvation. Believing Him. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. And so that's the obedience. It is an obedience thing. It's a decision you have to make. It's a choice you have to make as a child here on earth. Am I going to be a child of God or a child of Satan? Not everybody makes the right choices. Most aren't going to make the right choices. Jesus tells us that. Most are going to die children of Satan. It's a choice we have to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ to believe on him for salvation. It's a choice. And so that's what he's talking about. This Holy Spirit whom he gave us is because we believed on him whom he sent. And we can't but help testify of him because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit speaks of Jesus. Jesus did the will of the Father. That's how it works. The Holy Spirit tells people about Christ. Jesus reflects the Father, does his will. So, so, so that now when we believed on this Jesus whom God sent, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what our voice is going to say? Same thing. The only thing the Holy Spirit says, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. That's what we say. That's what we teach. And you want us to do something different. I can't help get it out of my head. We were singing that song about how you vanquished our enemies. You know, you, you, actually, that's not what it says. The song said you, you, you had me walk, walk through, you spread the sea so I could walk on dry land. Is that kind of, yeah, okay. Lindsay's going, yeah, yeah, yeah you weren't even listening. Were you? Um, two things happened with that. I don't know how this applies. Did you put the words up there? Thank you. <laughs> I see everybody go, is there a wasp again from Sunday or, or what? You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. Two things happened here at the Red Sea, and I don't know how that applies here, but I think I'm just supposed to say it anyway. Not only did the enemies get drowned, but it also cut off their retreat back to the world. 
I don't think we think about that very much. There was no way they were getting back to Egypt because God isn't going to say, oh, you want to go back? Let me make it easy for you. They were swimming if they were heading back. And I bring that up because this obedience to the Holy Spirit is, look, you saw some serious carnage back there. You saw some serious work of mine as I closed up the waters upon the entire army of Egypt that the whole world was terrified of. But in that same act, I've also closed off your access back to that world. I don't want you going back there. I don't want your mind going back there. I don't want your heart going back there. Now, they try throughout in this wilderness, but you notice none of them ever make it back. And as a Christian, I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient to Christ, not only in believing on Him for salvation, but believing Him in everything. Everything God does is because he loves me. And whether I understand that or not makes no difference. I must be obedient to that word. And obedience and submission only comes when we disagree. I don't know how this could be for my blessing. I don't know how this could be for because you love me. This doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't jive with what I know or what I thought or what my expectations were. But God says, no, I love you. And this is my will for you in Christ Jesus. And I have to accept that. I have to obey that. And sometimes it is obedience. And sometimes it is. I have to make a decision to submit to God's word. And believe him at his word. That's all I know to do. That's not blind faith. That's absolute perfect trust. Perfect love. My God has never let my da- me down. He's never done anything evil to me. He's never done anything but tried to protect me from evil. He's always led and guided me in the right direction, everything. So why is this any different? You know? Whatever this is. Obedient to God's word. Obedient to God's word. Submitted to it. And so he says that right off the bat. We obey him and the Holy Spirit has been given to us. That was his testimony before this council. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Well, they probably didn't like being called murderers. They didn't like the fact that Jesus, was, whose name was being lifted up, and no matter what they did to him, he lives on in these guys. Power is undeniable. They, I mean, they try, but the power is undeniable. There they are. Remember the guy that got healed last time? He says, we'd like to say something, but a notable miracle's been done among us. Poor Lazarus. When Lazarus was raised by the dead by Jesus, they said, well, now we've got to kill two guys. That's their thought. We were planning on killing just Jesus, but now he's got this raising from the dead thing going on, so now I've got to kill this guy too. That's the thought process. So these guys are furious, and so they plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee, remember the difference in the groups, Sadducees, no resurrection from the dead, Pharisee, they do believe in that. And his name was Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. This guy's got some pull if the Sadducees are listening to him, right? Sadducees are in charge like because the high priest is in charge, you know, and he's a Sadducee. So Gamaliel steps up. Who's this Gamaliel? Well, 
I, I just want to let the, you know, well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in Acts chapter 21, verse 40, I want you to turn there in your Bibles. I want you to read, we need to read this before Gamaliel speaks so we understand something. Acts chapter 21, verse 40, Paul is addressing a Jerusalem mob, twenty-one forty. okay? He says this, he's been, he's been taken into the barracks, and he says, no, 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 don't take me all the way, and I want to speak to this crowd to see if I can calm them down. I don't know why they want to kill me, I want to give them the truth. So they stop on the stairs. So when he had given him permission, Paul permission to speak, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in, he, in the Hebrew language, saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language. They kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born of Tarsus of Cilicia, been, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of the Father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way, the Christians, to death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. And he goes on to describe that. Paul, whose name got changed to Paul, his first name was Saul. So if Gamaliel's speaking and he is a student of Gamaliel, guess where Saul is right now? He's in the room. Great Apostle Paul is in the room before he gets converted. He's in the room, and Gamaliel, his teacher, is going to stand up. I wonder, I always like to figure this out, because I think a movie should be made of it. I always think there should be a movie made of it. But I wonder if Saul wasn't sitting there nodding when they were saying, we need to kill these guys, and Saul's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he sees his, he sees his teacher going, let me say something here. And I think this is where he separates from Gamaliel, in my opinion. Gamaliel stands up, commands them to go out for a little while, and he said to the men of Israel, this is Gamaliel speaking, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Smart guy, you know. Gives them some examples. We've had this kind of thing happen in the past. And when you cut off the head... The rest of it dies. And we've done that. We've cut off Jesus. We've cut him off. Let's see what happens to these guys. It ought to just die out. It's just a fad, you know. But he throws something in here. But if it's not a fad, if this is of the Lord, are you going to fight against God? I think Gamaliel's probably come to a conclusion at this point that this notable miracle that's been done and all these people getting healed and the, the momentum of this thing, I wonder if he smells Messiah at this point. I don't know. But I know one thing. Saul isn't happy with what his teacher just said because Saul becomes super venomous after this point. Actually, after Stephen's message, he becomes super venomous and decides to attack the church and um, put him in prison and so on. But Saul's in the room, so that's important. Or Paul. So don't be fighting against God. And they agreed with him. 
And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they just throw that in there. So they called them back in and they beat them. They commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So that didn't even stop them. So the first time they get arrested, they got a real stern warning. The second time they get arrested, they got beat, right? Well, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But they counted it joy. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Counting it joy. That's a easier said than done. And yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit, with the right perspective and the understanding in your heart, they can count it joy. You can. You can. They're not doing something that we can't do. None of this that's happening here isn't something that's not available to us to this day. It just may be in different degrees, depending on our maturity, depending on our walk with Him, depending on where we stand in submission to God's Word. These guys are submitted, man. They're submitted. All right, we got time for six. It's short. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. The Hellenists were Jews, but they followed Grecian culture. Okay, So they're a different group. They were probably not best friends with those who were following the Hebrew culture. Okay, So there was a, there was a segregation there um, because they were Jews, but they wore jewelry and they wore makeup and they were, you know, kind of, well, they were Grecian. Um, and so when it came to the distribution every day of this stuff that they would bring together, sell, lay at the apostles' feet, and it would go out, well, the Hellenists were second. They were low on the, on the list, is the idea. Um, there was a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the number, or then, sorry, then the, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Those two things are the primary purpose of a church, primary purpose of ministry, period, the teaching of God's Word and prayer. That is it. The distribution and, and all the other things that go on outside of that are secondary. Important, nonetheless, and, and need to be handled, obviously, but they're secondary to the teaching of God's word and to prayer. Um, and so these guys said, look, we, we don't want to be so busy with the food line that we forget and get away from what we're here for, which is the teaching of the word of God and for prayer. We want to spend time in God's word. We want to be in prayer. We want to seek the needs of the people. We want to pray for them. We've only got one counselor. The counselor is the Holy Spirit, you know, um, and we need to seek his counsel. We need to spend time. The only way we have Communion with him is through prayer and through his word. And so that's the sword of the spirit. So we want to do this. So we need to pick seven guys to do this. And here's what we want. We want them to have a good reputation, first of all, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, which means they're not necessarily synonymous. You know, you could have be filled with the Holy Spirit, um, but you also need wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Um, Just like we read on Sunday morning that the judges that... Uh, Moses' father-in-law had suggested to him, you know, you need to have some guys that are going to help you because you can't make people stand in line all day long and you can't handle it either. 
and there were some qualification for those judges. Not everybody could do it. Same here. Same with this. To wait tables in the church, to the church, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit, have a good reputation, and full of wisdom. Pretty high standards, you know? Pretty high standards. Good standards. We're going to see these guys, most of these guys, move on from this. But this is what I want you to do, do this. And so that's a word of wisdom from these guys. There's a word of knowledge, which is what Peter used, but this is a word of wisdom to how to solve the problem. Gift of administrations, maybe. These are all mentioned in Corinthians 12. And so they use that. They use the power of the Holy Spirit, listen to his wisdom, and then they implement. And it works. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, um, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, or Timon, how you pronounce it, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas. So all these guys are Hellenists. If you didn't notice, that's why their names are the way they are. They're Hellenists. Um, they knew that they'd take care of their own widows, and so smart guys. You know, we need seven guys to feed these widows. Better pick Hellenists, you know. So they did. Um, so there they are. Uh, let's see. And then Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So they lay hands on them, gifting them for this ministry. So important. You know, two of these guys we're going to read about, and they go, they go beyond. Philip is the one who runs alongside the Ethiopian eunuch and ministers to him in his chariot and gets him saved and baptizes him and is caught up in the air and taken away. You know, he does that. That's Philip. Uh, Stephen's going to get killed at his first sermon. He's going to get stoned to death at his first sermon. Um, but still, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith and did great things. The rest of the guys, that might have been as far as they went, were the waiters. But you know what? It, they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. They got prayed over. They got hands laid on them so that they could distribute to the needs of the saints. You know, And that was their highest calling. And that's a good thing. And they did it as unto the Lord. Anything that we're called to do, we need to do it as unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where it is. You know, we need to do it as unto the Lord, and they did. And when they did this, look what happens once they had this wisdom, once they followed through, and they, they implemented what the Holy Spirit told them to do into their lives. I can't stress that enough. They heard what the Word of God said. They heard what the Holy Spirit led them to do. They did then and it says in verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The priests? Yeah, I mean, they're getting saved. This is exciting. All because of this wisdom, all because they were being led by the Spirit, all because they wouldn't set down the ministry of the word and prayer to go do the food line. But they knew the food line was important, so they had some guys take care of that. But they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you can't have a bunch of hotheads out there not filled with the Spirit, walking around in the flesh, throwing food at Hellenist widows. You know? It's so cool to see God work. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 7, he's a waiter. Verse 8, he's leading a revival. I love it. Just faithful to do whatever God's got in front of me today. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Syrians, uh, or Cyrenes, Cyrenes, 
Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. So they started arguing with them. So these guys still are bringing it to the temple, bringing it to the synagogue, still preaching that Jesus is the Messiah of the Jews. They're not letting go of this. They're not just going to let the Jews have their worship. They're not creating a, a third religion. Is you know not back in two religions. They're not doing. We're the one and the same. It's only later on that it becomes separate. Um, and so they started arguing with them. And when they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, that's key. When they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. When you can't beat people on the facts, make up a lie. That's what they did with Jesus. That's what they'll do with Stephen. That's what they'll do with you. That's what they'll do with me. That's what they'll do. And so we can't beat you with our argument because you're too smart and it makes too much sense, so we're going to have to lie about you to get you out of here. So that's the plan. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon them, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. It's the same thing they tried to lie about Jesus. He said he's going to destroy this temple. I mean, it's one thing to say I'm suffering, you know, I'm suffering for Christ. Stephen is literally suffering the exact same thing, exact same thing Jesus suffered for being lied against. There's no power of God in the synagogue. There's no power of God in the temple. You notice that? See, when you lied in the church, wherever Peter was sitting, two people died because they were hypocritical. These guys are lying flat out in front of everybody and nothing's happening to them. Nothing happened to them. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. That's where we have to stop. I know it's a hard place to stop because the next thing that's said in chapter 7 is Stephen's excellent sermon, which Peter, or excuse me, Paul, who's listening to this, repeats later on when he gets saved. Okay, so that's the exciting thing. Chapter 7 is Stephen's sermon to the people. Saul is sitting there, hearing it, becomes super angry, holds the coat so that they can kill Stephen, spoiler alert, and then he gets saved later on and gives this exact same sermon, almost, almost, because this is the one that touches Paul's heart. This is the one that he was kicking against the goads. This is the one that he fought against as the Holy Spirit was prompting him, you're going to receive Jesus, you need Jesus, and he did not want to hear that. It's exciting. This Paul in chapter 7 who gets saved eventually after holding the coach for this guy um, gives a long list of things that have happened to him and at the end of it he says, and none of these things moved me. And none of these things moved me. See, that's Satan's big plan. Satan's big plan is to move us off the rock. It's to slide us. It's to bump us. It's a storm. It's a wave. It's a crashing. It's meant to push us off our foundation. 
And Paul said, after he gives his list of all the things that happened to him, none of these things moved me. And I look at what Stephen is going through here, been amazingly blessed, able to serve tables in the house of God, able to lead a revival, then also able, in this next section, to be able to give a scripture and die for the faith. When they look at him, they see his face as the face of an angel. He's just got this perfect peace. I just, I, I'm trying to picture what Stephen looked like, but he wasn't like this. You know, he wasn't like this. In fact, when he's in, oh God, I'd love to do seven, I can't. When he's in the pit and they're throwing rocks at him, he's saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And he's taking the punches and he doesn't hide his face from the rocks hitting him. I mean, this is a guy, none of these things move me. You know, that's what drove Paul crazy. That's what caused Paul to go crazy. I can't believe this. I don't have that, is what Paul was saying. I don't have that. I'd be throwing rocks back at him. I'd be mad, you know. I wouldn't have the face of an angel. These things would move me. What is it that these guys believe? Who is this Jesus? And that's what he struggles with from there on out. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these two chapters. We thank you for your love for us. Everything, Lord. We're so thankful for it. Lord, we pray that you comfort us. Send the Holy Spirit to comfort us. But not only that, send the Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might comfort others, God. We might be a blessing to them, Lord. We might have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for them, a gift of healings, a gift of administration, something, Lord, that they may need from us, from you. Help us to be available for that, to be used by you, God. Stephen was willing to serve tables the rest of his life and yet found himself doing more later. God, help us just to be content where we are with what you've called us to do, to not go beyond, to listen to your Holy Spirit, to be prompted by your Holy Spirit, to not do what man may want us to do. As these guys said, is it right for me to obey man or to obey God? We want to be so in tune with you, so listening to you, so hearing your voice and understanding the difference between all the other voices out there, God, that we only do what you want us to do. We want to be led by your Spirit, filled with your Spirit. So God, would you do that for our fellowship? Everybody here tonight, each and every one of us, fill us with your Spirit. Lord, for those that don't even know you yet, can't receive the Holy Spirit because they haven't believed on you for salvation, which is the first thing that has to happen. God, I pray that you'd speak to them now. And as they speak to you, would you hear their prayer? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you made a way for me to spend forever with you. I don't know how it works, but by faith I believe you and your word that you died on the cross and that no man can come to you except by you. This is the only way to get to the Father. He who has the Son has the Father. He who does not have the Son does not have the Father. Lord, we believe you and we trust you. We thank you that the cross isn't waiting for us, that hell isn't waiting for us because you took our place at the cross and all of our sins, everyone we've ever committed, past, present, and future have all been nailed to that cross and you bore our shame. You bore our iniquities and they've been forgotten. And so now, God, we, we do, we obey you. We believe on you for salvation and now would you fill us with the Holy Spirit? Equip us for the work that you've called us to do, Lord whatever that is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.